Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to HabsUnfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 231. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I'm joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Morning. And Isolated Treg. Morning. So the good news, your isolation is coming to an end soon, isn't it? Today's last day. Yay! You can go infect people in Costco. I do not go to Costco. I don't even go to the parking lot. Well, how do you get all your protein? Uh, I get it from the supplement store called po- uh, Supplement King. Oh, you almost went with the opposite. Oh, <laughs> I almost went. Yeah. And so much for that. Uh, so much for that sponsor. Free advertisement, Bryce. If you listen to the show, throw me some money. Well, I mean, of course he listens to the show. We are we are more popular. We are, have more listens on Spotify than Neil Young. And Joni Mitchell put together. Correct. Technically more than Garth Brooks. Also, there is no warnings on our podcast. Not that I know of. There should be, but not for, you know misinformation just i mean it's obvious i'm sure we gave a lot of misinformation it's not about covid (laughs) (laughs) truth all right uh so this episode we've got we've got quite a bit um even though the canadians are off this week there's still a ton of stuff to talk about uh we've got some uh some news around the, the hockey world We've got some talk about advanced stats uh, and a ton of stuff about Carey Price and trade rumors. Not necessarily the two together, but still. So let's just start with the news around the hockey world. So today it came out on a Russian paper that Luke Tardif, the IIHF president, uh, has stated that the World Junior Championships are rescheduled and will happen in August in Alberta. So that kind of confirms something, Matt, that you found from Darren Dreger. Yeah. So uh, two weeks ago, Darren Dreger uh, on the TSN panel, he talked about uh, a likely scheduling in August. Um, Apparently there was some talks for in June. 
Um, but they're saying that the more likely scenario would be August. But then I kind of look at what the buildup of that team was going to be because in the August time frame, yes, you're going to have players that are going to still want to play for their country. However, that's also going to be right in the heart of training camp buildup time for, you know, the young players like Perfetti and McTavish and Owen Power, Caden Gooley, et cetera. So, um, so how many of them are actually going to say, yes, I'm going to go and how many of their teams are going to allow them to go when it's that close to training camp, especially if, if especially a guy like McTavish that could jump right into the NHL next season, potentially playing a big role for Canada, potentially getting injured and then, they're, they have a setback. So uh, I believe they're going to look at Red Deer in Edmonton as uh, as a site once again. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And um, we can hope for the best. It's, a, it's some of the best hockey you're going to watch. So I, I, I'm hoping that it happens. And I'm also hoping, obviously, the draft happens on time. But I, uh, but I believe it's going to be a little bit of a different team than what we saw in December. Trey, do you think they're going to go with a, a draft-eligible heavy team? I think it will, but I, th- I think it'll be either undrafted players or the uh, players who were just drafted this year. I think he, uh, Matt hit the nail on the head. I don't think you're going to see the McTavishes, the Perfettis, and the Ghoulies probably show up and, and play, although it'd be nice, uh, just for the simple fact that all of them have a legit chance of making the NHL in September. So they're not going to want to – I mean, uh, devil's advocate, it is a good training. It's a two-week good training for them yeah. to – to get prepared, but it's not playing against NHL quality players. It's not training with NHL quality trainers. It's not, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not that um, I wouldn't be shocked if they play, but I wouldn't be shocked if they didn't play either. And, and yeah, uh, especially like those three who like Perfetti McTavish are probably almost guaranteed a spot in the NHL next year. Uh, Ghoulies, depending on what the, we'll get into it later, depending on what our, the Habs do in the off season could depend on whether Gooley or not has a, a full-time job in the NHL. Probably AHL is my, my guess, yeah. but at, yeah. at the same time, because of the birth dates and the time of the, uh, the tournament, how many are still eligible? There might, there might be some players that are no longer eligible that could right. come into play. I haven't looked right. it up, but yeah. that's a possibility. It, it, they could just say, if you're eligible in December, we're going to let you be eligible in August but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really. That know. news hasn't come out, but this it's yeah. a possibility. And I agree. Um, a lot of these guys are probably earmarked for professional jobs, which means their teams are probably not going to want to give them up. But the ones that are, pro- are likely to be sent back to junior, I can see teams allowing it to happen. So th- I don't think it's the names you guys mentioned could be others. Yeah. But, well, like I'm, I'm looking at um, if um, if guys like Perfetti, McTavish can't go, that opens up some positions for guys like Bedard to really step in and shine, possibly even Shane Wright. What about uh, Joshua Roy? He was a final yeah, cut. Yeah. Maybe they let him in. Yeah, unless he's aged out. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, we don't know if they're going to allow aged out players to come in or not. Exactly. Anyway, so, I mean, to me, it doesn't seem right to say, oh, you're too old now because we moved it to August. You can't yeah. play. I yeah. think smart move would be, yes, we understand you're too old, but this was supposed to happen in December. Yeah. We'll allow it. 
I think they're going to do everything that they can to pull yeah. players that were already on the team and then fill the voids. Yeah. 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 Maybe not allow players who have aged in the opportunity to play in this one so they can keep it with the group that was allowed in the last yeah. one. But remember, think, it's the yeah. double, it's the double A job. So they're probably going to be like, we have a rule book and that'll be it. Well, they're, they're kind of breaking the rule book because this is one of those tournaments. One of the, I think the two or three that pays for everything else in their programs. Yes. Every other tournament under the sun is paid by, uh, paid for quite in large part by this sim- a single tournament. Yeah, That's the only reason their, it's happening. This is their bread and butter. That's right. Exactly. Wait. And, and, ju- and just think, if they finish, if they do this tournament, this is for last year. And then a few months later, they're going to be jumping right into another one. So double gold for Canada. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, but Dard's going to be decorated. What about what about the women? Did they reschedule that? Oh or no, do they care? No, they don't give a shit. And uh, you know why they don't give a shit? Because doesn't the make enough money. Tournament doesn't make any money. Yeah, which is uh, sad, really. Because the hockey's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's uh, it's you can compare it to the men all you want. And say it's not I'm not good. comparing. I'm just not a big fan of women's hockey. But if you watch women's, women's hockey, hockey it can be very, very exciting because there's they're intense. Have you ever pissed off your wife? Twenty of them on each side. Oh, I get it. Like I, I've watched them it's in the great. Olympics and I watch the the tournaments. That, but I just, just I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm a fan. I like watching intense hockey, and women's hockey can bring that. So. Not so much, you know, like women's, you know, the Finnish women's team versus Canada. I mean, the parody isn't there yet, but soon, I hope. Anyway, moving on um, from the World Juniors on to the Canadians. So the news came out in the last couple of days that Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon are going to be putting together an advanced stat department before they hire any AGM. So... That begs the question, what exactly are they going to be looking at in the advanced stats? Because it, it's proven that they place a, a, a heavy weight on advanced stats. So what do you guys think is going to be their, their focus with the, the advanced stats? Uh, Matt, what about you? You guys know I'm not big on advanced stats. <laughs> well, that's why I asked you first. I want to, right. I want to see what um, you think. I think they're going to try to reach out to one of those um, advanced stats departments within, within like, you know, one of those sites that does it outside the league. And they're going to try like to make Jason Paul's site. Yeah, there you go. And they're going to try to maybe cherry pick somebody from an organization. That's what I, that's what I would think. Um, it's kind of hard to build up um, just like a bunch of like Joe Schmoes around a laptop and start talking advanced stats. Um, I said, I'm not a big fan of them. Never have been. Um, I'm an eye test type person. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they, if they went out and looked for um, a group of, a group of individuals to, to tee this group up and then possibly have an AGM that overlooks it. That's my guess. Uh, advanced stats are just information. That's all it is. It's just more information. Clearly, it's a tool to be used with the eye test, but it's it's an amplifying tool. 
Now, Treg, what do you think is going to be their focus? Well, Ken Hughes said in his thing that he just doesn't want to know the numbers of a player. He wants to know why a certain player isn't achieving at certain things. That and pushes more into player development, though. It does, but I think the advanced stats will help them understand why, like, this guy's really good five on five. Why can't he do it on the power play? Well, the advanced stats show he doesn't match up with this player and this player. So him on that line, you know, I think that's how they're going to use it. They're going to use it to better understand why players slump at certain areas than others and and what they can do to achieve it. I think the analytics is going to be a better development tool than it is a tool for them just to say, oh, we want that guy because at four on three per 60, he scores 700 points. Well, depending on what stat you're using, you can use it for development or you can use it to see if that player complements what you already have before you make a trade. But the thing with advanced stats is, again, depending on what stat you're using, this guy could be really good or this guy could be really bad, depending on what stat you're using. Like, to me, and advanced stats guys will shit all over me for this, I think the per 60 is a stupid stat. I I really do. So they're saying this guy... Unless you bring in a level of competition to make it a little bit more realistic. They're saying per 60, this guy scores three points every 60 minutes. Okay, but he only plays 10 minutes a game, so he gets three points every six games. And it's against the fourth line. Yeah, like, so it doesn't tell me anything. And I find the problem with analytics, and I'm not saying this on an NHL level, this is on a Twitter fan social media level. They use stats to prove a point they don't really have. Like, this guy's so much better than this guy, and I use this stat to prove it. All right, but that stat really tells me nothing. You have to take the analytics, the eye test, and the basic stats, put them all together, and that's how you find out how good a player really is. If they pass all yeah. three tests, if they don't pass view. all three, if they don't pass all three tests, then you got to look at it and go, okay, well, what is this guy good at, and how can we match him up with other people on our team? You know what I mean? To maybe yeah. even these three things out. Is and it I a think, fit? And I think that's what they're going to use the analytics for, because uh, let's. Even analytic people admit analytics is a stat that benefits a fast scoring type player over a slow defensive type player. You need different sets of uh, stats to demonstrate the importance of that defensive player. Yeah. So you need you need to have more than just a focus on XGF or Corsi or just one thing. You need to have maybe 10 data points and then maybe 10, 15 games of actual eye test. How does he, how does he do it? Did he, it, are his numbers affected by who he's playing with, who he's playing against? Like what's the, what's the level of competition? Is he against the top yeah. lines, the bottom line? That's where the eye test and the data sets come together. And that's why you got to look at a guy like Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson is terrible analytically. However, he's going to get you 20 to 30 goals a season. I don't care how many goals he could have gotten me because he didn't get those or should have gotten me because he didn't actually score those goals. He scored actually this many goals and that's where you got to look at it. So, all right, he's not an analytical darling, but he helps the team in this way. That's the things that I can't stand, like expected for and expected this. And I can't, yeah, I can't. They're fine in uh, limited usage, but if you don't put it together with, other data sets you're you're just focusing on one thing and your 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 blinders are on yeah, like Shea Weber for instance 
he was credited with a ton of turnovers because he makes the safe play to exit the zone a lot. <clears throat> if he didn't have a pass to make, off the glass, out. The uh, the opposing team picks it up at their own blue line. That's a turnover. Yeah. That is different to... from giving it up in front of your freaking net. I love to yeah. see the advanced stats on like a guy like Rene Bork. As we always said, we always said almost Bork. So it was like <laughs> expected expected goals for would have been like 13 a game or something, right? Well, Lekin is an excellent uh, oh, candidate yeah, ex- for yeah. using advanced stats. Look yeah, at his yeah. look at the impact he has on a game, even though he doesn't score a lot. Yeah. Look at the impact overall. Yeah. I mean, advanced stats are good too for determining a guy's transition. Look at Victor Mete. I'm actually going to say something good about Victor Mete. Oh, he's an excellent transition player. He's an excellent transition player. And advanced stats and the Tiger team, who that's all they focus on is advanced stats and everything else doesn't matter. Uh, that's why Mete comes out as this really good player because he's good transitionally. Therefore, his advanced stats are good. He's good in, with him. in one aspect. He's good in 30 feet of the ice and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Right. He's so, only good in one aspect versus the other two zones. And it's not exactly. in front of his net <laughs> or in front of the other net. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the thing that that's the problem with analytics. And that's why you just can't use it alone. Same with the eye test. And you can look at a player and go, wow, that player's so good. Look at the dipsy doodles and all this stuff he's doing. But then when you put him in a team setting, you look at the advanced stats on him. You're like, well, it's not that, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's an average player. He's not a superstar. The way, the way Gorton and Hughes have been talking about the advanced stats and how they're going to approach it with you in regards to development and even pro scouting, they have made it very clear that they're not going to rely solely on the stats and they're That'd not going dumb. to rely solely on the eye test. And that'd be dumb. You, you got to put all three together and you got to balance what you have. Because we all have biases. When we watch a game, we all have a bias towards a certain type of mm-hmm. player that we enjoy watching. Like I, I like hard-nosed hockey. I like watching guys like Gallagher and, and, and Pizzetta, like those kinds of players I like to watch, but are they the best fit for what you're trying to do? Do you need 20 of them? No. Like who fits with them? How do they fit with the others? Like you need to know these things. So if you're a bias towards that kind of player, you don't want to fill your team with just them. But you also don't want to fill your team with just analytical darlings either. Cause you're not going to win. Like, I understand there's a group out there that wants to put a team together just solely based on analytics, but which one of those guys is going to fight for the puck in the corner and which one of those guys is going to clear the front of the net and which one of those guys is going to go hard into the net or have that big rush down the side to create havoc in front of the net with with a rebound. That's, you know, you can't measure that on analytics. You can't measure heart on analytics. You can't measure, determination on analytics and you can't measure toughness on analytics and you need all that to win hockey look at the Leafs why do you think the Leafs don't get through the first round now yeah I was gonna bring this year they made this year because they have some depth that's a little bit tougher and a little bit like bunting and and Kase or Kosh whatever whatever you're saying and 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 those guys they're actually you know they go in the corners they fight in front of the net they do the things they need to do but all the years before they relied on the big four and the big four that's not their game they, well, you yeah. just look at last last year's playoffs the leafs on paper using advanced stats should have decimated the canadians absolutely totally destroyed them wiped the floor with them but in reality because of all the aspects you mentioned that aren't measured by advanced stats the canadians came out on top 
you can complain and bitch and moan all you want that, you know, uh, Tavares wasn't there, but that's, that's horseshit. You're missing one player. And in my opinion, when they lost Muzzin, they lost the toughest guy they had on defense. And, and that was the turning him. point. And that was the turning point. Even they had, they had no one to, to fight back against the Andersons and the Gallagher's and the whatever in front of the net. And his advanced stats aren't that great, but he is their, he was their, uh, their muscle, their heart, their grit. And Toffoli even said that when he saw Muzzin get hurt and knew he wasn't coming back, he said, this is, we're winning. Yeah. That was the turning point. Not, not Tavares, Muzzin. Well, I mean, they won three games after Tavares got hurt. So exactly. And they didn't win one after Muzzin left. As if they didn't win after Muzzin got hurt. I think he got hurt in game five. Game five, was it? Yeah. The the last game they won. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wait no, yeah, I no, think it was the, the, game the first, game, first game, Canadians yeah. made it 3-2, and he got hurt in that game, and then they won the next two. Yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, hashtag that, that just went, proves... it, went it for John. <laughs> it didn't work. It didn't work. <laughs> but that just proves that it, it's not just advanced stats. The, the impact he has in the room, the impact he has on the ice, the intimidation factor, yeah. all of that but, plays, a, plays a role. But advanced stats are important. Absolutely for evaluating how you put your lines together and and, and how you put your team together, because you can't have the other two. You can't have two without the other. It's like a triangle. Yeah. Pythagorean's theorem, A, B, and C. You have to have all three together to make, to make it work, to make it snap into place. And so I'm not ditching analytics because that would be stupid, but right up until the two thousands, you never had analytics yet. Teams want get teams won hockey games and teams it's kind of like the project management approach it's a triangle you can have it cheap you can have it fast or you can have it good you can choose two but not all three so you want it cheap and fast sounds like my sex life exactly (laughs) you can only pick two so that's kind of where the advanced stats and eye tests work you try and put those three together fast and cheap (laughs) yeah but matt you don't you don't have a line for none yeah. <laughs> that's true he's not married that's why yeah well that's blaine you're and i we got a fourth line we're square we got none <laughs> it's more like a rectangle because that line is the longest yeah, that line has crushed the triangle <laughs> all right so i think we've rambled on about advanced stats enough uh we'll move on to price's press conference we'll do a quick uh quick around round table on that one uh, I found Price to be rather vulner- vulnerable. I-, I know he was kind of pushed into doing this, and Chantal Maccabé did a good job in prepping him because he didn't give anything away, really. But his approach and the way he spoke, he, it, it, d- it demonstrated a vulnerableness in his, uh, in, in his presser. So what did you think, Matt? What I got to see of it was I was working at the time. Um, I did see, I did see a little bit of a recap on it. Um, I did see a player that was a little bit vulnerable, but at the same time, it was more um, a, lo- a lot of unknown. And um, the media tried to get a couple different questions out of him regarding, you know, a month from now, weeks from now, et cetera. And he kind of danced around the topic because he mentioned that he has come back multiple times he said setbacks multiple times um and i'm looking forward to seeing it as well i'm looking forward to seeing that 
I'm looking forward to seeing Carey Price in a, in a hab sweater again. And he made, he made that, he made that comment as well, that he hasn't requested a trade. He doesn't want to leave his family's happy in Montreal. He signed the big contract uh, for a reason. He wants to win in Montreal. He, uh, said that uh, like the, the the one that made that kind of like stuck to me was uh, the fact that this is a large part of his identity and who he is being a um, the goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think he's going anywhere. I just think he needs to get healthy and they need to build the team. They need to build that team in front of him up again. And I think yeah. we're going to get into Petrie in a little bit. And I believe that, uh, a part of Petrie's game and why he hasn't been playing so much is because they don't have anybody behind him to play. But, but I would say, but I would say with price, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think that uh, if you have him and uh, Allen once again, healthy, I think they make a very good tandem. Um, They're going to give the team in front of them a boost. And uh, I believe, uh, with Ken Hughes in charge and all the talks that we're talking about, about player development analytics and building the right team. I think they've got the building blocks to be able to do so. So hoping the best for price, hopefully no more setbacks. And we're going to start seeing this team get healthy again. When you see guys like Edmondson come back, Byron's already back, Gallagher's already back, et cetera. Yeah. I, he didn't say that he wanted to leave but he didn't, he didn't close the door on it either. And he set a deadline in essence saying in about a month, I'll know for sure if I'm going to play this season or not. And I, I do honestly believe he wants to play because whether he wants to stay or not, he wants to prove that he can play again at the top, at that level. So I think it's important to him. Yeah. Uh, Treg isolation nation. What do you think? I think, uh, no, Price didn't close the door, but I think he just put the ball in Ken Hughes and uh, Jeff Gordon's pocket. Like he pretty much said, I signed the contract to stay here long term. You know, I understand what's going on with the team. I'm not asking to get out. But he didn't say, you know, if Jeff Gordon and Ken Hughes came to him and said, we got this really good deal with Colorado and we'd like to trade to Colorado. I don't see him saying no. If, if you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. And I so, don't see price saying no either. That, that's what I mean. I don't see price yeah. saying no at all. I think, yeah. but I think what he basically did is I'm not the one asking to leave Montreal, but he never really said, if they ask me, if I want to leave, if they come to me and say, we want to trade you, he never really said he would say no or not. I, I would say to me, the silence of that is just him saying, I'm not going to ask for a trade, but I'm really, I'm not going to, say no to a trade depending on where where it is when you have a player and a gm saying we want to do what's best for the player and the team that's that's code for we're not really shopping them but we're taking calls well i mean that that goes with petrie but no one really said that about price either no but that's it's the undertone with price it's very clear that he loves being a montreal canadian and he wants to play this year and he wants to play at a high level again, but give him a little bit of time, probably over the summer, he'll revisit this. And maybe he decides he wants to win a Stanley cup. He might decide I want to be a Canadian for life. And at that point, they'll announce something saying that he is going to be part of it. He did say he was untouchable right now. Yeah. 
right now. And Carey Price never said he wanted out. I think Price no. is more worried about his knee. He's more worried about other setbacks. Absolutely. And and I think his whole, we'll see in a month to two weeks how it is because he's doing his uh, on-ice drills now with, you know, moving of the legs, the back and forth, the, you know, um, the stretches and the skating. And I think once he gets past that and then gets into taking shots and doing this and doing that, I think he'll know more of where he's at when it comes to his knee. I think he's his big worry is his knee. And now on, a, on one of the French news things, I think it was La Presse, uh, they said that Hughes doesn't know if Price will play again. I don't know where that uh, came from. That's a little bit out of context. He doesn't yeah, know if he'll I, play I, again this year. I, I agree. But the headline, of course, you put it in Google Translate and you read the article and <laughs> that's not exactly what it says. Yeah. Uh, but the headline was, Kate Hughes doesn't think Price will play again. And then well, as you read the article in, right? this year, right? They got to bring um, you in. They got to bring you in yeah. to click it. So, but I, Price didn't really sound like he was all that sure he'd be back sooner than later either. So, and I think it's more him being cautious, yeah. him not wanting to say like what happened in 2016, 2016, where, yeah. oh, he'll be back in two weeks. Oh, he'll be back in a month. Oh, he'll be back. Oh, he's out for the season. Oh, here's Scribbins. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, you know, I want to be back. I do want to play this year. I have a sense of pride. I love the team. You know, I want to get out there and play. I hate sitting back and watching the team where it's at. I think if I was out there, I could help and we could be better. Uh, However, I'm not rushing back. And then all of a sudden play a month and then I'm out for the rest of the year. Yeah. And that's where vulnerability comes in. And this is also a perfect situation for him to be able to ease his way back into it yeah. because the season's already lost at this point. Yeah. Anyway, this is more about a pride. This is more about uh, being there for your teammates type uh, talk that price that price gave during that press conference. If he has another setback, it is very possible that he may not be able to play kind of like Weber. So anyone who thinks he's going to just, Oh, I can't play. I'm going to retire. It is dreaming because he's got about 34 million dollars left on his contract and he wants his money so if worst case scenario he cannot recover and play this year he's going to go on ltir and he'll do the the rehab all year long and try to come back or do what they're doing with weber if he can't come back eventually and he's told you'll never play again he'll become a scout or some shit i don't think it's that bad i don't think it's no no i said worst case scenario I, I think his he could be out the rest of the season, but I don't think it's a, a career-ending type thing. Shouldn't be, but Shouldn't be. he he didn't not say it couldn't be. But I think that's just him saying, "Listen, I've I've hedging you know, twice. Bets. I've tried to come back, and yeah, you know, couldn't. So what the hell's going? You know, I don't want to. Just didn't want to commit to anything. He didn't want yeah, to exactly. come out right out and say, I'm good, boys. I'll be back in a month. And then a month later, because, I mean, people are already kind of, com- uh, people are already trying to kind of bitching about transparency. But I thought, I think the Habs in this past month have been more transparent than they've ever been. I didn't see a need for this Carey Price press interview. But well, kind of was because the press and some of the fans were starting to get really Exactly. Because they're like, oh, what's going on with Price? What's going on with Price? And even though they said... He's rehabbing. He's going to be a while. All right, let's get it out there and see what he has to say. I love John Lou's question about uh, him going to addiction and how the fans got behind him and how that, what that meant to him. Um, 
And I think that's a, another thing why I think he he doesn't really want to get out of Montreal is because he knew the fans were behind him through this whole thing, and he and, and he knows the city loves him, and he loves the city. But I also think you're right, Blaine. I wouldn't be shocked if in the off season, all of a sudden, Carey Price gets traded to Arizona or I don't know, Seattle or somewhere, something, and yeah, something like that. That wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it's happening. And in this case, I'm going to throw this to Matt. If Price doesn't get traded, does this help their rebuild or does this hurt the rebuild? What do you think? I think it helps them. I think it gives them the most solid building block that they're going to have is a is a uh, established franchise goaltender in the back end. And then you can then you can build out from there. I believe they have a lot of the pieces already. This season has been very much about health. If they can if they can uh, if they can get healthy. COVID just fucks off forever and uh, they're allowed to play hockey again. I believe that we're going to see a much different team. Yes, there's a lot of holes to fill, but I believe that they can do that um, and move some pieces around, move some picks, move some prospects, whatever you've got to do, build this, build this team back up again. Because right now there's some players that are on this team or even that are, that they've, that they've drafted that I don't feel that are necessarily the players that are going to win you the big games moving forward. No, they definitely need some star power. And at the same time, keeping price, uh, it would be kind of like what the Rangers did with Henrik Lundqvist. We just saw his number retired in New York. uh, And Gorton was the GM in New York at that time with Lundqvist. Lundqvist didn't want to leave New York and he kept him there and he used him as a mentor for the younger goaltenders and kept games competitive. So if price wants to stay, that's the direction they're likely going to go. I truly believe, I think price will stay. And I don't think it's going to hurt the, uh, the team, especially if they can get rid of Petrie and a six and a half million. Um, well, he'll make them a better team, which might hurt their draft pick. <laughs> well, I think Slightly. you'll see it. I think you'll see a turnaround quickly. Uh, yeah. a la Boston Bruins after they won the cup. And then they had that uh, two years where they, they, I think they missed the playoffs one and just made the playoffs the next. Uh, I think it'll be similar to that. The Rangers kind of had a quick turnaround and it all depends on how they want to do this rebuild. If they do it like with the Rangers and say they get lucky and get the top pick and Shane Wright, or next year they finish in the bottom 10 and they get lucky and get the top pick again or whatever. Um I think you'll see a quick, you'll see Gorton go out and try to do what he did in the Rangers. All right, I got Keiko and I got Lafreniere. Now Panarin, Fox. Now I'm going to fill holes with star players or top players, not fill holes with second and third liners that hopefully can play up and down the lineup like Bergevin did. But I'm going to fill holes with actual players that's going to complement the product that I already have on the ice. Using advanced stats. Using advanced stats. <laughs> and, now, it, and that's that's exactly how he did it in New York. Uh, I don't want to go to Boston because Boston was 2011 and basically he just had a really good draft. He just drafted Chara. He just drafted and signed Chara. So um, at the time he did not had no idea how good these players were going to be, but it just turned out to be good. Now um, on so. the rumors, we can and picks and whatnot. We'll move to Sherratt. So there's a bidding war on Sherratt right now. There's several teams, Calgary, St. Louis. Uh, there's a couple others. Even Toronto has been rumored to be in on them. Florida is big on Florida's it. Florida is another big one. Yeah. So there, right now it looks like it's a bidding war. 
So it used to be that you thought ah, maybe he gets a first and then definitely get a first. Now with this many teams really pushing hard for this hard nose type defenseman, maybe it's more. So what do you guys think it'll be? Treg, what, you go first. I think it's going to be a, a first and a mid to high level prospect, um, especially with the bidding war going on. Uh, Florida, I guess, is hard in from what I'm reading. Like they're, they, re, Owen Tippett is the, the, the prospect that they're giving up, but I think yeah, he's on gonna, the market now, but I think Florida is going to have to pay more than just Owen Tippett where, cause they don't have a first this year. They have a first next year. So if it's their first next year in Owen Tippett, I prefer that's a lot, uh, that that's a lot. lot, but I think they're looking at a first more first picks this year. So I think Montreal is going to counter with, well, we kind of want, this year's draft picks, not next, especially high ones, because we know what the draft's like this year. We can move up in the draft if we have extra picks in the first round. I mean, Florida's a top team in the league right now, so depending on how they finish in the playoffs, we'll determine where their pick is. It is still going to be, what, 22 and up or whatever. So uh, I, I think Florida will have to pay more than most other teams in order to get Sherrod if that's what they want. But I, I believe Schrott's going to get a first and a mid-level pick, mid to high-level pick. By high-level, I don't mean a top prospect, but maybe the next guy down. And uh, and that's uh, what that's Owen what Tippett I, is in Florida because Lundell yeah. is their top guy. Lundell's their top guy. Now, if it was Sherrod for Lundell one-on-one, I, I'd say go for it. You got to pull, yeah. You'd have to pull that trigger. I'd, I'd pull that trade in a second, but I don't think I don't think they're giving Lundell. I don't think Lundell's being dangled no. out there. I think they're kind of getting. Uh, fed up in how Tippett's progression has kind of stalled a little bit and they're willing to use him to bolster their, their team now. And he was a former to, uh, top 10 pick, I think 2017. But, so, but I think with Tippett, Montreal is going to ask for something extra. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, that's the thing. I don't think they're going to get what they want on just Tippett. Yeah. Florida is looking to add some defense. They'll probably use Tippett and something else. Yeah. And if that's something else is a, a first round pick. I don't care if it's the last first round pick, you know, like 32nd overall, a top 10 pick plus a first, I think is more than fair for yeah. someone like Sherrod. Like be, think, if that was the offer right now, I would be shocked. They didn't take it already. Yeah. Uh, I think they're just seeing, like I say, there's a bidding war. So the best thing to do is sit back and see yeah. who offers the best deal. I know uh, St. Louis is and, heavy, heavy, heavy into them. Yeah. And St. Louis has a pick this year. So yep. I think that's what they want. I think they want picks this year. I don't think they want to <clears throat> uh, worry about next year and then see where the draft is. I think they want picks this year. <clears throat> now, mind you, if it's a top 10 pick next year, then, hey, I'll take it. But Not too many teams are going to be picking up players and offering picks when it's, it's a possibility for that. Mm, mm. Like teams don't do that all the time. Like, you know, Bergevin. Teams don't make the Stanley Cup finals and drop to the bottom of the pile the next year. So, except for D- Dallas and Montreal, well, they didn't drop to the bottom of the pile. They just missed the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they were middle of the pile. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Montreal is like, if you ain't first, you're last. So that's what they're uh, the Ricky Bobby of GMs. <laughs> what about you, Matt? What do you think they're uh, they're going to shovel out of there? Depending on the team that they're going to be. Uh in the most serious discussions with I I'm, I'm, I'm with Treg. I think it's going to be a first plus or a more, or, or a prospect plus. 
depending on who the prospect is, you could see a one for one um, with the teams that you mentioned with um, we already talked about some of the players that could come back on the Florida side. You talked about St. Louis, St. Louis has Jake neighbors. They've got Zachary Bulldog, et cetera. There's are two guys that I could see them asking for. I don't know if they'd actually get them. Um, I could see St. Louis coming back and saying, well, you need a goaltender. How about Charlie Lindgren? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're good. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I believe as we get closer to the trade deadline that uh, more teams are going to come forward and, and, and uh, start making calls to Hughes. And it's not just going to be the Sherrods and the Lackanans. There's going to be other guys on expiring contracts that uh, that are going to draw some interest. Now, like Pekek. <laughs> no, but the guy I'm going to be mentioning like it, is Lekkonen. Yeah. He is having an actually a strong season. He's producing a little bit more than he normally does. It's a contract year, but he's an RFA next year. So the, the team still holds control, which adds value. Right. We know that people are calling about him. Even Hughes has confirmed that. So the rumor out there right now is that Drury's been calling. So the Rangers are in trying to get him because they need someone to replace Sammy Blair. I know that Colorado is missing uh, that type of player as well. So for me, you don't move him unless you get a similar package that you would get for Sherratt. You would have to get a first. You would have to get a very good prospect, or maybe you give me one of your top prospects or your top prospect. If you're on the cusp and you feel that Lekkonen's the guy that can do it for you in the playoffs, I want to, I want to get paid because Tampa in the last couple of deadlines have given up a first and a high-end prospect for this type of player. So the market is set. I think uh, the Rangers seem to be the team that's uh, hot, well, the most rumored team to be in on Lekkonen. Yeah. Uh, And you're absolutely right. I wrote about that in my latest news article about how uh, they need a guy to replace Sammy Blaze. And I think Lekkonen would be an upgrade, actually, to Sammy on the New York In some ways, yeah. So, but what does the Rangers give up? Do they give up their first pick? Uh, Knowing that it could, I mean, the Rangers are what? Are they pretty solid in the playoffs, I think? Probably it'd be around a 20. If if they lose out in the first round, it'd be around a 20. So you got to, you know, and and yeah, they're second in the the Metropolitan. So um, fifth overall. So they're they're pretty much in a playoff spot. Um, So the Canadians now have to look at, which first round picks are going to give us a better first round pick, right? Cause you, you do know if they get a first for Sherratt and a first for Lekkonen, they have three firsts. They are not picking three times in the first round, especially if two of them are 20 something or higher. Right. Uh, or maybe they gonna... are, and they're just moving up with seconds. Cause they got a few of those. Sure, but or you're, I, I mean, or you're taking one of those first and you're flipping. That's what I mean. Like if you're taking team. one of those first, you're flipping for a top fifteen or something. You know, that, you know, a first and a second, and you're like, all right, now we want your thirteenth pick or your fourteenth pick or whatever. Um, if that's the case, get all the firsts. Like Montreal's just going to draft first through thirty one through thirty two, and we'll just call it a day. Um, but you also got to look at uh, what's his name in the KHO, Kratsov there. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's Kratsov, asked for yeah. a trade. Yeah, he's asked for a trade. He's also an RFA at the end of the year. 
and and Gordon's a fan of him. So maybe Gordon says, I don't think Lekkonen and him are a one-on-one thing because one's an unsure and one's a one you already know what you're getting. Exactly. So you, but he may not get a first. He may maybe Kratzoff in a second or Kratzoff in a other prospect or something. What about Schneider? Braden Schneider. That's I would the take player Schneider that Gordon traded up to get. I would take I, Schneider in a heartbeat. Schneider is higher on the. Uh, I think he's got more a hell of a lot more value than Kravskog does. And with Truba yeah. and um, and Fox kind of and blocking K- his way in. Thank you, Andre Miller. Yeah. Well, he's Andre Miller's on the left side. I'm talking on the right hand side because uh, Schneider's a right shot. You have Truba and uh, and Fox on the right side eating up all the top four minutes. There's and, no and room my- for him to to go into. He won't be able to unseat them. And Montreal's hurt, going to be hurting, especially if we move on to the next player that we're going to talk about. Yeah. Uh, especially if they move Jeff Petrie, which I think will happen in the off season and not before the trade deadline. Uh, if they move him, they're going to be hurting on the right side. Like, I mean, hurting. Yeah, because then Savard becomes your top pair. <laughs> Savard's your top right-handed defenseman. And then after that, yeah. you have K- no, Kyle Clegg's a lefty. Uh, Romanov's a lefty. Nico's a free Brooks. agent. I don't know if they keep him. Um, Josh Brooks. <laughs> Josh Brooks. Shooting him. Is, is he a right defenseman? He plays both sides. Uh, Fairbrother. Fairbrother. Gooley's a left guy. Yeah. Logan Mayu. Logan Mayu is your second uh, right defenseman. On the on the depth chart, sure. Talent wise, yeah. I mean, once Petrie's gone after Savard, because Brooks, I don't think Brooks is going to be an NHL defenseman well he's hurt right now he might come back this season we'll see um but yeah no with the, with the rangers i would definitely target schneider or Kraftsoff. but you got to give me something more because i'm giving you I would, i'm giving you certainty i would go after both they're trying to get rid of Kraftsoff. i'd <laughs> go i say this is who i want if he gets both for lekkonen that is a home run trade i i i mean you might have to add something in like maybe a kulak or a whatever done a cat okay (laughs) eat half half the cap i don't care you get those two those are some high-end prospects i'm not saying that'll happen but i'm saying why not why not ask ask for both say hey you want to get rid of this guy and we really want this guy and you really want this guy you give us us two we'll give you him and what else do you want a second we'll give you a second there you go done deal you ask for both maybe you get one why not? It's like Nova Scotia Power. Ask for a ten percent fucking raise so you can get a five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love the fact that they're gonna put an area rate on us for giving them power off our solar panels. Well, that's what they're asking for. But I love think it. I think that's just a way for them to get a higher percentage because then no, yeah. then the government will say, "Oh, we're not gonna do that. Look at us protecting the protecting yeah. the little people, but we're gonna raise everything by eight percent." I'm gonna pay you money. <laughs> So you can take shit off of me to sell to other people to make more money. No, that's anyway, no. We're it's way crazy. off topic. But uh... anyway, to Petrie. Now, you think he's going to be traded in the offseason. I think it's possible, albeit minuscule possibility, but possible it could happen in season. And the one team that has that opportunity w- that would be a really good fit for him is Detroit. They've got the cap space. They, uh, they have some expiring contracts with their veteran defenseman. He's from there. His dad's a, a baseball legend there. His family's living there right now. It would be a fit. 
it would work for both teams depending on trade value. But anyone who thinks that the trade value on Petrie has gone down, think again. Yeah, Matt, you want to get in on this? I I would agree that Detroit would be a good <laughs> trade partner uh, based on the fact that, yes, that's where he's from. Um, and they obviously have a hell of a lot of money to bring in for him. Uh, it's just, it's going to be the return. What are you going to, you don't want to, you don't want to lose a player that can play to his potential for, for, for fuck all really. Like last year he was second on the team in scoring with 42 points and this season he's got six. So it's, it's, it's obviously two different teams, two different scenarios, you know, one, you have a goalie that can stop pucks, the other possibly a beach ball. You never know. Right. Possibly. So um, I could, I could see him moving possibly this season. If they if the, if the deal is right, however, at the same time, I believe it's going to be more of wait till the summer, see how many more players are going to be yeah. in on him and then make the, make the deal from there. The only way that I can see it being fast-tracked is if everything in the media continues to go the way that it is. All the talks on Twitter, all the stuff about his wife, all that kind of stuff, that if it becomes yeah. too much of a distraction, he might be strong-armed out. And maybe, I don't want to say that they're going to take a lesser package just to move him, but it could happen. Um, I but think I don't want to rather, see that. I think they would rather just put him on um, like a mental health break, tell him, you're you're going on LTIR for mental reasons. Go the uh, go the frig home. Go see your family. We yep. don't need to really worry about the rest of the season anyway. Yep, yep, yep. Off you go. I think uh, I think its value is higher in the off season. You have yep. more teams with more cap yep. space. Um, if he does get traded before the end of the season, I think Detroit is a good fit for him. I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're going to get the picks and prospects that uh, no, everyone no. thinks they're going to get. I think you're going to get someone maybe like Nemestikov or, you know, some, like you said, expiring contracts that they just want to get off their books, maybe with a year or two left. Um, but it'll be interesting. It, but does Detroit really need Jeff Petrie? Like, do they really need him? Well, they're, maybe, they've maybe got not. several veteran defensemen that are going to be leaving after this season yeah. or their contracts are expiring. Letty, and, Stahl, and the Kaiser are all gone next season. Yeah. Well, a free agent next season. But Petrie provides, so. uh, he's a number three defenseman. So he would be able to provide that play on the second pair behind Maurice Sider while, being, while giving him a little bit of uh, mentorship at the same time. Yeah. So that, that, that does help... Detroit in a way and it's a local kid that sells tickets he's he's actually very good and he you, you know so it it makes sense overall but yeah money wise asset wise there's a lot of things involved yeah I, I like I say with the way it's going and like I know he didn't formally ask for a trade well uh, look Hughes didn't say no, and no. it's been reported in the press now by a reputable reporter that he did ask. Yeah, but that's why I say formally. Like, Ken Hughes said he didn't formally ask for a trade. So he didn't come out and say, I want to be traded. What I think happened is he came in and said, hey, if you could work a trade where I can move to the States, you know what I mean? I'd be happy with that. And you know, honestly, I would take that 
uh, and say, yeah, sure, no problem. But then if you watch him play, he does not look like a guy who didn't ask for a trade. Yeah. He, I mean, he doesn't look like a guy who really wants to play hockey anymore. So. Uh, exactly. And I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I don't understand why management doesn't come down to him and say, listen, you're not into this. We're not gonna, you're, you're costing us games and uh, take a, we'll put you on LTIR, say you need to take time off for mental health and you can go be with your family and we'll try to work out a trade. And, because they moved to Detroit because of all the lockdown stuff. Lockdowns in Quebec, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So they made a decision based on family choices to go there, which makes sense. I understand you make your family decision. Hockey-wise, this kind of reminds me a little bit about uh, the Pacioretty situation. Did he ask for a trade? Didn't he? Blah, blah, blah. He didn't look very um, motivated in his final season with the Canadians. And everyone everyone kept saying that his value is shit. Patrick never looked motivated though. Yeah, true. But (laughs) they were always saying, well, his, his value is garbage. We're not going to get anything for him. Uh, It's probably one of the better trades. This whole thing is mirroring. But his trade is in the off season too. It's exactly. like Patrick got traded in the offseason. That's why I think Petrie, the best bet for the team, and Ken Hughes did said, we're going to do what's best for us and Petrie. Yeah. I think the best bet for the team is to trade him in the offseason. They're going to trade him to an American team so yeah. that he, him and his family can live however they want to down there. But I agree. It's going to be a summertime move, yeah. and they're going to get a better return because of that. So they're going to get Nathan McKinnon from Colorado straight up. Or Zadina from Detroit, so he can start filling nets. <laughs> Has he? Is he hurt or something? Like I haven't nope. heard of uh... No, he's not hurt. Okay. He just, according to Kyle Knopp over at the, the Hockey Writers, who covers Detroit, it just looks. It, it, he, he feels that it's not really um, a fit with him and Blaschel in Detroit. Okay. I guess. I guess. They get 13 points in 44 games, minus 22. It's not a bad... Which isn't uh, bad. It's not terrible. He's not filling Ottawa on Montreal's nets, but whatever. And trust me, everyone's filling Montreal's nets. They're on pace to have almost 400 goals against. (laughs) 316 which would be a a team record the canadians have allowed 300 goals twice in their their history but both times that they allowed that many goals they scored almost 400 i don't believe you i went year by year by year on hockey reference can't be be. it's impossible for this year they're looking at maybe getting 220 goals maybe i'll be lucky they'll be lucky if they get 200 honestly yeah and giving last, up over last, 300. Last season in total in the 56 games, Montreal let up 155 goals. This year, they've already let up 162 and 44. Yeah. Stellar goaltending. Yeah. Great defensive systems, amazing goaltending. Brings back that age old adage uh, show me a coach who isn't, uh, who's gotten fired, and I'll show you a goalie who didn't make the save that he needed. So I don't know. Uh, back to rumors and trades. Yeah, let's finish. Jonathan Druin. Does Jonathan Druin stay with the Canadians? No. 
And is it a trade deadline or off-season trade? Definitely off-season. If because he's got one year left on his deal after this, I can see him because he has been attracting a lot of interest. Yeah, that's why, that's why I brought him up. I don't see it working as a trade deadline deal. This is more of a summer thing. He's he's on pace for 50 points in this really shit season as it is. So you put him on a contending team. He would be an amazing fit on a second line, even a third line on a contender. He would be able to provide that added offense, that power play specialty. He would be able to play to his strengths and he would really be a boon to any contending team. But the value is only there in the summer. People seem to forget that uh, Druin has been the most consistent scorer all season. Uh, and I think Druin just has a reputation that people are like, he's lazy, he doesn't do anything. But if you look back on all the seasons of Montreal, he's averaged over 50 points almost every season, except I think one. On pace, yeah. He's on pace on for pace, over 50. On yeah. pace. Uh, so, yeah. And that's the player you got. You got a 50-point, a 60-point player who had potential for 70. Uh, but you have a 50 to 60 point player and that's what he produced at five and a half million. I mean, I think the money was good for what he produced in this day and age. And uh, I don't know what the, I, I don't know what the, all the hate. I, the problem with Druin was Bergevin brought him in as the great Francophone savior. Uh, they wanted him as their number one center and they figured he'd come in and his whole game would change around and he'd be a 70, 80 point guy that just ripped up the league and he was never he was never that player. He never ever was that player. He was a fifty to sixty point winger, uh, and that's exactly what they got. He's a victim of expectations. Exactly, and that's not his fault. That was Bergevin's fault. So, because he brought him in as the great francophone hope, the great Quebecois hope, and uh, they never should have done that. They never should have put him in that position. But if they move him, I know this. I know this is going to piss people off, but if he is moved, they're going to have to find another francophone player to bring in somehow, some way to placate the political side of it. You signed Paquette. <laughs> and Perot. No, they'll need something more than filler. They'll need an yeah. actual, you know, a day-to-day guy that uh, they can rely on for even a third line. David Savard. Hello. He's not enough. Petrie gone. He's their top right-handed defenseman. Not enough. They, you, you know that they need at least two or three so they can at least say that they have a francophone dressed in every game. They missed think, one game. One game in 112 years without a francophone dressed for the Canadians. And the province lost its ever-loving mind. They're going to hire a French guy named Johnson and a French guy named McDonald, both born in Quebec. <laughs> They're going to come yeah. in and that's going to be their uh, Quebecois. <laughs> and oh, Hughes is going to yeah. laugh. <laughs> they'll, tra- they'll trade Drouin over to Tampa and take back Killorn, who's from Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> There's your French. There's your Quebecois. Calorne. He's Quebecois. Yeah. He's bilingual. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> And during the press conference, Hughes and Killorn will just look at each other and wink. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that'd be Well, hard. they need a goaltender. They can hire Jacques Legrand-Cock. <laughs> if anyone hasn't seen that movie, um, the, uh, Love Guru, don't. 
do not watch that movie it's a terrible actually uh, justin timberlake is the funniest thing in that movie he's the only funny thing in that movie (laughs) celine (laughs) (laughs) all right so we're going to finish this off now any final thoughts matt none for me actually none for me look forward a couple days off and uh I'm still trying to decide if I'm going to watch the all-star game or not, because the last couple all-star games have been absolutely atrocious, especially the skills competition. You know what? The mascot competition is probably going to be the highlight of that whole thing. More than likely. But you know what? I, I, I'm happy that Suzuki is going to be going and representing the Canadians. So I might just watch it just for him. I, uh, I want to see what the outdoor skills competition is going to be all about. Like a Red Bull vodka. Apparently it's an outdoor thing. Apparently it's an outdoor thing. It has something to do with the fountain. I don't know. (laughs) But I have no desire to watch the All-Star game. I haven't had a desire to watch the All-Star game since like the 90s. Uh, I don't even know why they're having an All-Star game. I think it's a big waste of time. But whatever. It's for the kids. That's what they say. So sure. Let the kids watch and have fun. Sure. Why Machine Gun Kelly's there if it's for the kids? I have no idea. But... uh, Whatever. That's another reason yeah. not to watch it. <laughs> you know what? Manon Rayum and the uh yeah. Manon Rayum and the 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 uh what did they call him? The um reject Captain America is gonna be there. So uh the what? The guy who plays Captain America and the Winter oh, Chris Soldier. Evans? No, the other guy from the Winter Soldier from the uh Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh yeah, yeah. Who who plays the uh sure the new Captain America. Okay, I don't even know the guy's name. I know what he looks like, but I don't know his name. Anthony Mackie. Anthony Mackie. Yeah, he played. Uh, cool. He was in Goon. He was. He played a goalie or something in Goon. Or he, he was the. Oh, name. he was the son of Goon the. Two, uh, I think the other Goon coach two, in the in. second movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he yeah. came back. He was traded away so they can make room for. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, Anthony Mackie is the black guy. He's the Falcon. This guy is the guy who played the. He's now the Captain Agent or Agent USA or something and. Yeah, and he in Goon, he was the one with the beard. Yeah, who, yeah, yeah, who yeah. was the Goon? They traded him away to make space for the main yeah. character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's in the second Goon. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. they're the they're the celebrity uh, guests. So Jay Baruchel clearly had a hand in this. I I blame him for the whole All Star. We I'm going to put tweet that actually Jay Baruchel's at fault for the entire All Star <laughs> weekend. So Jay, blame him. Sorry, buddy. We're we're going to nail you on this one. Um. And he hasn't come on the show yet, so we're just gonna torture him. He keeps saying no. Says, uh, you guys, you guys are beneath me. You're not good enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, Treg is ugly. Yeah. Blaine, you're an idiot. Literally DM me that. He said, "If if it was only Matt on the show, then I would do it." <laughs> but only if Matt wore leopard speedo and cooked. <laughs> Matt keeps saying no to being in my next movie, and until he says yes, it's not happening. It's a porn movie, but. <laughs> Well, I know he's up in Newfoundland filming, so. He was that's, uh, he was filming uh, Son of a Critch, the TV yeah. show. Yeah. yeah. So. And Matt was going to be one of the uh, one of the characters in Son of a Critch. Yeah. yeah. But no, he turned it down. He he's going to be in the prequel, Son of a Crotch. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, and uh, on Machine Gun Kelly. I was very disappointed to find out that he doesn't even have a machine gun. Like, false advertising. His real name's not even Kelly. Like, what the hell? Why would he I watch play it? play Tommy Lee in the dirt, though. Still. 
I mean, I, I thought, oh, great. Now we're going to actually see some, some actual firepower. Maybe we can watch the tracer fire every fifth round. It's a nice tracer. And you can see the laser go, you know, like on a 50 cal. No, he's none of that. He's not Ted Nugent. <laughs> none of that. Anyway, um, for my well, final thought, you, I just. If you want to yeah, see an actual good performance for watch the Super Bowl, <laughs> watch yeah. the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> yeah. Every parent, every parent our age is going to be like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> the teenage kids are like, what the hell? <laughs> I didn't what know my this? mom could twerk. Is this <laughs> What's the thong song? <laughs> uh, all right. So for me, my final thought is I just want to thank everyone for listening. Uh, I know we rambled on a little bit here at the end, but I want, I want to thank you guys for sticking with us, listening through all that and uh, keep clicking, check out uh, habsunfilter.net. We've got a ton of, uh, a ton of great discounts on all of our sponsors. You can save some money on when you buy their, their products, namely no name hockey. They've got brand new, uh, brand new custom sticks, brand new custom gloves. Uh, I'm going to be getting a pair of gloves here soon with the, uh, the old uh, heritage yellow. It looks like the old uh, leather gloves. They're gorgeous. I cannot wait to use them when they reopen hockey. So uh, thanks for listening. And remember, if you were talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergy Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if three to one is right for you. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.